Hi and welcome to this new episode. Today I'm excited to interview one of my mentors in uh, my new venture the, that I joined, the Freedom Collective. And you'll see that Tariq is the embodiment of what I call a heart-centered leader. He has a, a lot of cool little stories to his sharing in this episode. As usual, if you like the podcast in general, you can subscribe, give a nice review. And if you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. Uh, you'll find more information on unlock.me slash podcast. Hi and welcome to episode number 54 of Dreamers and Doers, where I interview people who follow their passion and music to make the world better. And I think that's you, Tariq Amawi. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And so I'll tell you just quickly how I met you. Basically, two months ago, I followed one of your webinars and I started a to, I joined a collective called the Freedom Collective. And since then, you've been like a mentor to me. I've been really admiring your leadership. And um, I find it's, it's really good sometimes to have role models. And so, yeah, that's been, uh, been the case for me. So thank you so much for this. And now uh, let's, you're welcome. <laughs> let's get started as usual on um, knowing a little bit of your story where you come from and how you got especially into coaching manifestation um, a bit of background sure so uh, first of all thank you for the kind words um happy to be seen as a leader and, and I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way so i guess the best place to start the story would be um, living in the uk having already graduated with a degree and a master's in 3d animation mm -hmm. but at the time i needed money and I didn't have an animation job after graduating. So um, during university, I was selling computers one day a week at uh, a big computer superstore. Yeah. And when I graduated, I thought, okay, well, until I find my animation job, I'll just increase the hours at my part-time job. So I basically became a full-time computer salesman. <laughs> and where, I thought that... Where, where were you living at the time? Uh, in Hertfordshire, in England. Okay. And at the time, I thought, okay, maybe this will last for a month or two, and then I'll get my animation job, and then everything will go how I planned. Uh, but it didn't. And I stayed stuck in that job for a year and a half. And the thing is, when you're working full-time in a, a job, the last thing you want to do is go home and look for more work. So I didn't exactly use my free time to try and find another job. I would go home and play video games. Mm -hmm. And a video game that I got really obsessed with, I guess, is Assassin's Creed. Mm. Because here was this character who looked a little bit like me, sounded almost exactly like me. The voice actor really sounds a lot like me. And in the game, the assassin, Altair, which even Tair, Tarek, like sounds similar in a way. And he has a Christian mother and a Muslim father, and so do I. And he's, uh, he comes from Syria, and I come from the neighboring country of Jordan. So there was all these weird parallels between me and this video game character. And I thought, well, the main thing that's the difference between me and this character, other than the fact that he's an assassin and goes around killing people, but the, the other main difference 
is he does parkour. He does this urban French discipline of overcoming obstacles. And I remember it just, it sounded like such a cool idea. And at the time, you know, I'm going to work, I'm selling computers, wearing my purple uniform. But then I started to bring parkour into the, into my daily job. So when nobody was looking, I would, I would dive over the, uh, a pallet of computers and, and I would, I would seriously, I would literally like dive roll um, while no one was looking. And I would, I would try and uh, walk silently on my tiptoes and see if I could sneak mm. past people. And I would, I would balance on the railings outside during my breaks. And so I started to train the sport for real. And to cut a long story short, it ended up with this moment where I remember I was kind of looking up at the sky and going like, okay, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be a way out of this, out of this reality. Like I'm ready for a way. Please show me a way. I just started asking different questions. And my mom, almost as if she heard my call, contacts me and says, hey, have you heard of this book? that's just come out called The Secret. And they've made it into a movie too. And I was like, no, what's that? She was like, just, just go watch it. I like, it's gonna be really good for you. I, I know you and you, you're gonna love this. This is right up your alley. So I went home that day and I found The Secret and I watched it. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa. Okay, so there's this force and it's activated through my thoughts and I create my reality through my energy and my intention. And it made me realize that what I was doing at work every day was all wrong. I was going to work and saying to myself, I don't want to be here. 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 And of course, what that meant was I just stayed stuck there and stuck there and stuck there and stuck there. And then at the time, I had this idea to change my password at work to I'm leaving soon. Mm. So many times every day, I would write Tarek, I'm leaving soon, Tarek, I'm leaving soon, Tarek, I'm leaving soon. And I thought, okay, according to the secret, that's... Now I'm aligned at least with my intentions rather than um, positioning myself facing towards what I don't want. And then another kind of weird synchronicity. This is, I believe that as we start to follow these little breadcrumbs from the universe, then more gets revealed to us and the breadcrumbs get bigger. And so the first was the, the video game, which was Assassin's Creed for some reason that really appealed to me. And then... The other thing was parkour, and so I started training. And then a world-class free runner who I had met some months earlier at my university contacted me and said, hey, it's my birthday. Would you like to come and hang out with a bunch of free runners? And I was like, wow, well, I've started learning parkour, and this would be amazing to actually hang out with people who really do this stuff. And so we went up to Liverpool, and I was on top of this church roof um, because there was this church roof in Liverpool that he, he liked to to climb and kind of look at the, uh, the world from the top and like from the vantage point of, of being uh, high above the, the city. And it reminded me of the game Assassin's Creed. And I thought to myself, like, what if I could just run and just jump off the roof and take a leap of faith like the, like the character does in the game? And Again, to cut another long story short, I ended up staying there for a whole weekend, calling in sick, having to face my managers and all of that stuff over the phone, which was really difficult. And anyway, Sunday came, and I remember I vowed to myself that the day I would quit my, uh, the day I would jump off the roof, 
I would quit my job. And I thought maybe that's, you know, two years in the future, I'll come back to Liverpool. I'll try it then. But that Sunday, I guess I was just full of all of this fire from that weekend, hanging out with all of these free runners who saw the world so differently uh, to the way that I did. I just jumped off the roof. I just ran and I jumped off the church and <laughs> I was in the air and the ground was coming at me and these moments kind of happen in slow motion. So everything slows down. And I, I reached my legs out, I touched the ground and boom, went back into like this roll and stood up and, and then everything sped up and came back to normal time. And I was like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I didn't hurt anything. I did it. About one story. Okay. So it wasn't that it was, it, it wasn't that it was that high up, but it's what that jump represented. It could have been five feet up. It, yeah. it really depends on how much fear you have to overcome to take the, the leap. So for me, it okay. was a very scary thing at okay. that time. And I felt so good, so empowered. I was like, wow, okay, I vowed to myself I would quit my job, so I've got to quit. And I walked into work the next day with a resignation letter typed out. Nice. And I gave it to them, and I was on such a high that day. I just carried myself differently. I was mm -hmm. talking to people differently. And I met this customer three hours later who gave me a job as an animator. And so all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I manifested an animating job yeah. and it just came to me because I took a leap of faith. So now and that's the kind yeah. of story. That's how it all began, the whole manifestation journey. I realized like, wow, this is powerful. I need to understand how to do this more deliberately, more intentionally yeah. and call upon it as a skill when I want it. Mm. So yeah, like, so you made, you made life your video game basically, which is pretty cool. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and so then you got... Um, so you got really into manifesting to the point that you started teaching it and being a, a manifestation coach, right? Can you say a little bit um, about what's the law of attraction, what's manifesting, and then explain a bit the, the, the work you were doing? Sure. I guess in a nutshell, people see manifestation and law of attraction as these kind of spiritual or esoteric concepts, whereas for me, it's very biochemical. It's very... It's very causal, like there's a step-by-step -step chain of events mm -hmm. that you can trace. So for example, you buy a new car or you're thinking of a new car. Let's say it's a, I don't know, a Mercedes SLK black with a cream interior. You're going to start to naturally notice when those cars are around you or cars mm -hmm. similar to it are around you. And you're like, oh, it's the law of attraction. Well, actually, it's the reticular activating system inside your mind, which is a bundle of neurons that start to pay attention to the things that you want to. So you kind of give it the program and you say, hey, look for this and it will start to find it in your environment. And as you start to do that, you start to make choices from a different space. So when you change the way you're thinking about things, you change how you're seeing things, you change the choices you make, the choices you make will then change the response that you get, yeah. will change your experiences. And so bit by bit, you start to create a completely new set of experiences and responses in your life just by shifting your focus. So by me shifting my focus to I'm leaving soon mm -hmm. and starting to empower myself with overcoming obstacles, because that's what parkour is. I learned how to yeah. overcome obstacles and my job became just another obstacle. Yeah. And then I needed a lot of strength to take a leap of faith out of that, that job so for me when i jumped off the roof i gained the strength mm. and that strength then made me 
walk in and resign. And because I resigned, I carried myself differently. And because I carried myself differently, this customer spoke to me differently. And so had I not jumped off the roof, I would have yeah. kept myself the same way. That customer wouldn't have talked to me about animation. I wouldn't have gotten the job. So one thing is just directly linked to the action or thought before it. Yeah. And usually that's what I say about yeah, law of attraction is that even if you don't really believe in anything, just what you put your focus on and how your mindset is, is going to create that reality. But to me, there's also that second layer of law of attraction, which is more debatable, I feel, but that I believe in, but that I'm, um, it depends on who I talk to, but that I believe in, which is on top of me creating my reality and my actions being different according to where my focus goes on top of it, I'm dancing with the universe. The universe is something that's playing with me and that's reacting. So for example, when you take the example of the, of the car, do you think it's just your attention and your focus that changes? Or do you think that there's also a response from the universe giving you these opportunities on top of it? So the way that I view it is it's kind of like, let's say you have a hard drive on a USB pen. Mm -hmm. And if it's just here in your hand, it's not connected to anything. The data's on there, but it's not connected to anything. Mm -hmm. As soon as you plug it into your computer, you can go online, you can download things, you can then save them onto your hard drive. Yeah. So I see us as the hard drive, and depending on how open you are, and, and how you allow yourself to tap into your more intuitive faculties, it is like you have a fiber optic connection to the universal intelligence that's all around you. So mm. the internet of intelligence, essentially. And the more open you are, the more direct your channel is, the more bandwidth you have, and the more you're able to download new ideas, new concepts, you're able to see opportunities. So I do believe you are dancing with the universe, but I believe we all have that connection but most of us have just put like a firewall in the way, which is typically created by our limiting beliefs. And so when we remove that firewall, mm. we're now open to be able to receive a lot of little pointers and guidance. Okay. So your subconscious mind works on your behalf mm. to bring whatever you focus on into your reality. So if you focus on things you worry about, your mind will naturally, without your involvement, find things in your environment, put you mm. in situations that will create the circumstances that will prove your beliefs right yeah yeah it's definitely uh it's interesting like i think it uh increased a lot since i i've been in bali i don't know in bali there's like so many synchronicities all the time that made it well i was at first i was just thinking oh it's my mind creating things and then i was like okay there's that dance playing around and and i think i opened myself as you said to to but you know there's a reason there's a reason for that. What is it? So Bali, yeah, Bali happens to be where two energetic rivers intersect. So the, the earth has meridians the same as the human body has meridians, energetic pathways. And two of them happen to cross directly over Bali, which is why when people are in Bali, they experience a heightened sense of synchronicity. They feel like mm. they can manifest easier. They feel that things happen quicker. Karma happens quicker. Like if you do something bad to someone, you will have something bad happen to you very quickly. And I've seen it happen. Okay. So Bali happens to be like a, like a magnifying glass, an amplifier 
for creative and transformational energies. So relationships will move quicker. Um, people will go there and they'll break up or people will find each other and they'll just have like such a deep bond and connection. Bali happens to bring out all of these shifts and changes in people because of where you are geographically also. Mm. Nice. Nice. Okay. I understand better now. <laughs> um, and then to jump on uh, the Freedom Collective Initiative. So I won't go too much into details here, but basically it's an initiative where we leverage social media to, um, to create freedom and to create digital nomads like you and me and, uh, and help people who, have, who are purpose-driven um, build an online business and, and share uh, their message while getting paid doing the, what they love really. So I find what I really find interesting in this is your role as a leader because I found that this is an avenue where you both coach people and you make sure they empower themselves. <laughs> and being mentored by you, I felt there was that combination of Tariq is here to support me, but Tariq is not here to babysit me, you know? So I don't know, <laughs> if, you want, I don't know if you want to talk about like, Maybe when you got these skills, what you were doing before and why the Freedom Collective is a better arena for you. And, and then we can talk, uh, we can include leadership in it. So for me, I guess for a while, I've been looking for something that is going to empower me and give me the skills to become the leader I know myself to be. Mm -hmm. while at the same time giving me the skills to be able to more authentically communicate my values and my message out there to the world. Because I believe in, you know, our time and age, we are living in a connected world. And if you don't have mastery over your digital skill set, then you are falling behind. Mm -hmm. We are no longer in an analog world. And to be able to be able to communicate that message authentically and know what to say, how to say it, you can then reach people all over the world. And if you really want to create an impact with your life, the way to do it is by reaching people online. And so what I saw with the Freedom Collective was a way to empower people to gain all of the online skills to live a much more meaningful offline life. Mm. And that's really what I saw is a collective of people, a group of people who were living larger, who were living more plentifully. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. I knew just, I, I felt an alignment. I felt called. I felt the energy was right. When I looked at this, I was like, this is more than just business here. This is a bunch yeah. of people who are really doing great things. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be, I want to be swimming in that okay. soup of success. I want to be around those people and have the proximity to all of that um, prosperity. And, that and so off that offline time point is a really good one too, because being like, when I read the four work weeks, when I was 20, I was like, okay, I want to be a digital nomad. But, you know, I looked into a lot of things around drop shipping and the things that's like spent, it's a lot of time alone on your computer. So it's good to do things yeah. online to like, like I, not a big advocate like to me the laptop lifestyle is not to be on your laptop 24 7. absolutely the, the whole idea of a laptop lifestyle is to actually be able to have a lifestyle not just a laptop and <laughs> <laughs> and through this whole process 
the kind of levels of comfort that we now have on a day-to-day -day, just to like, you know, it's, it's 11.29 here. I don't have anywhere I need to be. I don't have a desk I need to sit at. Uh, no boss that is going to tell me why are you late or anything. Yes. And just to be able to have that authority and, and authorship and ownership over your day <laughs> is the greatest gift you can give yourself because you can literally make each day like a mini life, right? Like a life in, in a snapshot. And if you treat each day as a full life where you're, you're born in the morning and you die in the evening, you ask yourself, did you live a full life today? And I believe that when we choose to make each day a full life, then it will birth a future that is so rich because we're really making the most of each day. And yeah, I think I said what I wanted to say. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, time has been accelerating in the past few months for me, for sure. Sometimes, like, I just come back from a month and a half in Australia, and when I look at, <laughs> at everything that happened, I feel like I've spent, like, a year or two uh, over there. And on the contrary, sometimes when you have that nine to five, that's, you, you feel like you can have one year, two years, ten years that just repeat themselves and feel like you're, 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 you're stuck in that, in that rut. So definitely that's actually resonates. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. The reason why people feel like, oh, my manifestation machine is broken or I'm not a creator because, look, I'm living the same day every day. So according to Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, very famous neuroscientist, yeah. we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, but anywhere from 95 to 98% of them are the same as the day before. Mm -hmm. So if you go to work and you have exactly the same day, you're observing all of the same things, you're having the same emotions, you're creating the same experiences, which is driving more of the same thoughts, which is leading to more of the same actions. So your mind isn't growing. You're not getting any new stimulus. You're not expanding beyond your current reality, even in your imagination. And because of that, you are creating the same day over and over again. So it looks like nothing is changing, but actually you are intentionally creating the same day over yeah. and over. And when you realize that you are the one who's doing that, that life is coming through you, it's not happening to you, then you start to take the power back and you know that if you start shifting your thoughts and you start shifting the way that you're talking to your colleagues or your boss or start looking at the opportunities and the people that are already in your network that are already kind of circling around you that you might not have noticed before, you'll see that there are opportunities and ways out, little doorways that you might never have noticed before because you were too busy mm. recreating the past. Nice. And to go back to the leadership thing, um, when I, like one way to qualify you when I think of you is like a heart-centered leader. I don't know if that resonates, but I think it probably does. Thank you. <laughs> And um, what's heart-centered leadership and um, or in general, like what, what, what do you like in being a leader and what do you consider being a leader? And maybe what, what did the Freedom Collective, how did it help um, being, embodying that leader, that leadership? Well, Freedom Collective is like leadership training. Anybody out there who wants to be a leader of your own of your own domain, of your own field, where you see yourself as a leader, you see yourself as having leadership qualities that maybe are still in, in raw or crude form and they need refinement and honing. Because when, 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 will... when you were a coach, that's already kind of a step in leadership. 
So do you feel more a leader in this community than when you were doing coaching? I feel more of a leader now than I ever have. Mm. Yeah, and a big part of that has been through this process because here all of a sudden you have a tribe of people around you that they don't expect you to do anything for them, but you know that it's going to help everybody by you showing up for them. And the way that you show up for them is by working through your own limiting beliefs. So as you work through your old childhood programs and your old beliefs and you uninstall all of this damaging software that we've been given over the course of our lives, you start to better be able to serve other people. And as you start to coach people through their limiting beliefs, then you start to really embody leadership. See, the, the main difference for me is the difference between a boss and a leader. A boss tells people what to do. A leader shows people what to do. A boss is interested in what's in it for them. A leader is what's in it for everyone. A leader is always at the front, whereas a boss is at the back pointing forwards. Mm. And it's this idea that a leader is here to serve, whereas a boss is here to tell you what to do. And it's a very, it's a very different positioning that I find between bossing people around and being a leader. Mm. So when you are a boss, it's everyone else's responsibility. So, oh, you had a bad day, you didn't hit your targets or your margins or whatever, it's, it's their fault. Whereas a leader, if something goes, um, I, don't, I don't like to use positively, negatively, but if something if the way that things go is not how you want, then rather than looking at other people and saying, well, what did you do wrong? You look towards yourself and you ask, what could I have done better? So you take full responsibility for everybody's results, even though everybody's, you said like, you know, we're not here to babysit, we're here to support. And, but at the same time, support is being able to say, how could I have shown up better as a leader that would have prevented this or that could have, uh, move these people through that process that would have given them a different outcome. And really, by placing yourself in the mix and requiring of yourself a higher standard of, of service to others, that, I believe, is what makes you a leader and not a boss. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, you, talk, you talked about the damaging software we have. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate a bit on this? Sure. I mean, as children, a lot of us typically grew up in households where money wasn't really an abundant thing. And just where, where you know, did you, you grow up, by the way? Because you're, you're from Jordan. When did you move to? Um, you're from Jordan, right? Originally? Originally, originally from Jordan, yes, but with and, really mixed parents. Okay. Maybe it's irrelevant, but is, is that culture something that could have been also a, a hurdle to being into law of attraction for example a hurdle yeah like like um like because jordan's a muslim country so would it was, it know, was like, more I than I a hurdle yeah yeah okay it was <laughs> it was more like an obstacle course placed against a steep mountain <laughs> but you know cliffside so the thing about uh, more, let's say, heavily religious or indoctrinated societies is they tend to be quite uh, narrow in scope of what's possible. So what I grew up with was 
if you succeeded in something, it was not because you put in the effort and you put in the time. It was because God wanted you to succeed. Mm. If you failed at something, it wasn't because you could have done something better or you could have changed what you wanted. They would say, well, there's nothing you could have done about it. God doesn't want you to win. Mm. And so it removed a lot of the agency that we have as creators. And instead, we just feel like one of the created yeah. So I feel like the, the way that that society is set up infrastructurally, like on a, on a social level, really creates the mindset of just following along. And in that kind of a environment, everybody is so focused on survival. They're living down here somewhere that they haven't yet filled their own cup so that it's overflowing into the lives of others. So everybody's trying to guard the little bits they have in their own cup. And there's a lot of, and it's not just in the Middle East, but all over, you know, you have these concepts like money doesn't grow on trees or money is the root of all evil. And those mindsets, especially when given to children who are still so malleable and still so impressionable, creates deep-rooted software that says, in order to be good, I have to stay broke. Yeah. And movies reinforce that. It's always the villain who has all of the money, right? When you think of the villains, the big yeah. masterminds, they're always very rich. And the, the good yeah. people are always like in rags and, and fighting so hard. And so we see this glamorization of struggle yeah. rather than with full pockets, I can give more generously. Oh, man, I became so passionate about it being like, to, when I see conscious people, I'm like, hey man, I want you to make money because I want you to have people who share your podcast and share your message and I want you to do Facebook ads so people do your programs and I want you to, con like, to consume uh, organic stuff that are more expensive and to help the charities you want to help, like, please, you know. So, yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting because I made that shift maybe three, four months ago, because I used to think a little bit like this, because I had this pro all these programmings too. And through reading a few books, uh, listen, like obviously working with you guys and, and um, a few other things, like it happened quickly, but uh, I can definitely relate to that. This, this whole process, this whole community, this whole journey that we're on, this path to freedom that we've chosen is basically in essence, the burning away of karmic scarcity in a collective environment. We are burning away those old limiting beliefs. I've had people who are in our tribe break down and just have days where they just cry and they just call us up and be like, I don't know why I'm so upset. And there's no reason for it. They're just going through that, that emotion because what's underlying it is this question of, is it okay? for me to be doing well? Is it okay for me to yes. have enough? Yes. Is it okay for me to be comfortable when other people out there are struggling? Is it okay for me to be able to experience ease and flow and grace? And that is part of this journey. You have to become comfortable with the idea of being abundant in order for abundance to really start to manifest into your life. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, it helps no one like, and I'm the first one to think it's sad that, that there are so many inequalities in the world, but it's not going to help if I'm broke too. Like that helps no one. So Right. Like if, if you're starving and someone else is starving, how are you going and, and yeah. you're broke? How are you going to help them eat? Yeah. 
Whereas if you are full, you're not focused on your own belly because you're good. Yeah. So now you move out of your survival centers yeah. up into your service centers. Naturally, you'll mm. say, hey, here's some money. Go eat something or here's some food. Enjoy. But if you're focused on your own growling belly, you have your head down looking at your own stomach. You're not going to notice the people around you. And that's the power of moving out of survival and into service. But in order to do that, we need to fill our own cup first. Mm. And, um, and that's part of allowing yourself to receive too. I saw in myself, like I was so uncomfortable receiving and I'm not just talking about money, even love or compliments. Like, you know, when right. someone tells you, oh, it's really great what you're doing. Often we're like freak out. We're like, oh no, but you too, you're great. Like, no, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we you can't know, just receive the compliment. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, it's almost like we have to excuse ourselves for doing something right or doing something good. Like, oh, no, 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 but yes, uh, you know, I didn't really try so hard. Or, uh, you know, you have to kind of justify and, and make excuses, whereas it's so much more powerful to just say, yes, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I have a last question I always ask uh, to my guests which is what's the impact you want to have in the world? Ah, for me, I feel like we were all born into this life with a lot of hidden gifts and our own as of yet undiscovered areas of genius. And if we can just follow our heart like a GPS, but an EGS, an emotional guidance system, and just move towards our bliss, and move towards what lights us up and what makes our heart sing, as Steve Jobs would say. If we can just do that, then we will all be able to not only live happily, but be able to create so much more in the world because we are doing our passion, our purpose. Mm. And so my impact would be to remove, I don't see myself as a teacher, I see myself as a teacher. I want to help people unlearn all of the damaging societal models that are getting in the way from them living their passions fully. Because to me, that is freedom. Mm. Well, that's powerful. It's powerful, bro. How can, um, yeah, and teacher, that's interesting. I mean, I heard a bit about, like we live at an age where, yeah, it's probably, we get so much information, so much, so many programming. And, you know, we talked about that that first thing is to make space. That's why, that's why things like meditations are so valued, right? Like more than consuming more content. And I feel making space is an important step first. Yeah, remove all of the stuff that's getting in the way for the inner light to come through. Yes, yes. How can people follow you? Well, feel free to uh, send me a friend request on Facebook, Tarek EQ Amawi. Um, I, I make a lot of my posts and things like that public because I just like sharing them with people. Mm. I, I do yeah. Facebook lives very, very often and share stories with a message. And you can also, even though I haven't really been nurturing it so far, but um, same name on Instagram, Tarek.e.q.amawi. And yeah, just reach out. You know, we're all real people. Just because we're communicating online doesn't mean we're not real people offline. So uh, 
if, if you feel like I can support you in your journey or you feel like we can collaborate or play together in some way and, and create epic stuff, then reach out. Thanks, Tarek. Thank you so much My for pleasure. being uh, an inspiration to me. Uh, I tell it with, um, from my whole heart. It's, it's been really, really, really good the past two months being um, helped and trained and coached by, uh, by you and very inspiring. So thank you so much. I usually finish these interviews with a big hug. You're a bit far, but... <laughs> the, wire, the, the old wireless hug trick. Yes, it works. I, I feel you can, you can transmit <laughs> vibes through, through online. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all connected after all. So thank you, Tariq. And thank you to yeah, thank everyone you much, who listened to this episode. Absolutely. Much love. Boom. Really like this interview. I love being in contact with that man. Honestly, he's such a beautiful soul. And thanks so much for listening. We also mentioned um, if you feel drawn to work with Tariq and I, we are so passionate about helping people start an online business and leverage digital marketing so they can too have a life of total freedom so if that's you be in touch with me i hope you had a good time and speak to you soon